Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, people of Earth. I'm Paul Shear, and welcome to Earwolf Presents. That's right. I'm sitting in the hosting spot uh, this week because I am really in love with what you're about to hear. Now, normally I talk about bad movies on how did this get made and good movies on Unspooled. But on both of those shows, there is a, a character that I completely adore. And it's a character that could fit in... How did this get made in Unspooled? That character is James Bond, and James Bond is at the center of this Earwolf Presents because we have been exploring some amazing docs all summer long here on Hot Doc Summer, and this one is no exception. It's from the very talented documentary team at Witness Docs, and this one is called Ruby Rosa. So let's go back and think about James Bond. Who would James Bond be if James Bond is really like a pitcher? James Bond in your head, okay? Scars, the the calloused hands, you know, would he be this debonair British man? Well, here's the thing. The actual James Bond, right? The British character at the center of Ian Fleming's super successful franchise and decade-spanning filmology was actually based on a Dominican man. Okay, in episode one of Ruby Rosa, you will start to learn the true story of Ruby Rosa's life as a diplomat, playboy, who spoke five languages and was an international polo champion, a race car driver, a pilot, and how he became the richest man in the world twice. That's right. You're going to love it. Earwolf Presents brings you more documentaries over the summer, but in the meantime, here is Ruby Rosa. And... If you want to see me on tour, just head on over to hdtgm.com. We are out on the road right now, and we'd love to see your face. And we can talk about Ruby Rosa. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Right there. Oh, right here. This is it. Everything's exactly the same. The colors are the same. What is your school? This is PS 175. This is my elementary school. And then Halsey, my junior high, is across the street the other way. I was still late to school. Uh, that is where my dad worked. That's the basement. This is where my dad would sit for lunch. I grew up in Queens, New York at 102-17-64th Road. My Dominican father was the building super. I lived here until I was 18. 
and I'm back now for this podcast with my producers, Abigail and John. All right, so you want to go in that basement? Why not? Let's just show you the shop. This is my dad's workspace. I loved the boiler room as a kid. Like, I would watch the fire as a little boy. Like, I loved just watching the fire do its thing. We take the elevator up to the first floor, and everywhere I look, I feel memories. Falling down the staircase and cracking my head open. Getting in trouble with my friends for running an underground poker ring during school hours. Salsa dancing in the lobby. Being here is like stepping back into my childhood. That is where my godfather lived. We have the Mamans on the right side. Oh, so where's, where was uh, your, the, your first apartment? Oh, right here. Okay. All right, y'all. Here's where the journey really begins. Uh, so this door right here is apartment 1J. Uh, 1J was just like very tiny one bedroom that four of us shared. I'm whispering because someone else lives here now, and I am being very creepy recording outside of his door, recalling this vivid memory from when I was eight years old. My mom was recovering from a back surgery, and I was running around the house pretending to be an assassin. Totally normal. Now imagine this. This is like tiny-ass apartment. My mom is laid up on her stomach, and I'm in my best set of tidy whities most definitely Hanes. I have every Nerf gun I have wrapped around my waist using my dad's belts. And I pop my head around the corner, and I do this, like, fully executed tumble, and I land in a fighting stance, and I fire a Nerf bullet into the distance, boom, whispering into my invisible watch. I'll be in and out in six flat. And that's when my mom calls, Coño, muchacho, I swear to God if your fool gets cold. If I have to tell you one more time, I will break all your toys, everything. I will break everything. Yeah, I know. Wanting to be an assassin is a very weird goal for an eight-year-old. But that was my chosen profession. And I would play like that for hours. I was the king of make-believe, y'all. The king of being more than what I was. I whisper again into my invisible watch and I say, uh, my bad. Bond is going to have to meet you at the drop-off point after dinner. And who I pretended to be above all else was the baddest person I knew. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. Some men just don't like to be driven. No, some men just don't like to be taken for a ride. It doesn't bother you killing those people. Well, I wouldn't be very good at my job if it did. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't want to be James Bond? He's chill. He's tough. Everyone likes him. He does important work saving the world and whatnot. And yo, he gets mad honeys all while rocking this ridiculous bespoke black tux. And so I thought, maybe this awkward Dominican kid from Queens could actually become him in one way or another. Bond. Jaime Bond. For the record, my name is not Bond. It's Rivas. Christopher Rivas. And I'm not an assassin. But then again, would I really tell you if I was? Think about it. I am the next best thing, though. An actor. And a writer. And a yada yada multi-hyphenate creative. You get the idea. I live in L.A. now. Pretty dang far from 102 64th Road in Queens. But being back in my old apartment building, I remember so 
fiercely my childhood dream of being Bond, and how far away that dream felt for a half-Dominican, half-Colombian kid like me. I was only eight, but I didn't like how I looked. I didn't like how I talked. I was this four foot ten prepubescent Dominican kid with glasses, a big nose, and a curly ass fro. I wasn't just pretending to be someone adventurous and tough. I was pretending to be white. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey. Long, long time. How's the fam? Uh, good. We're all good. How about you? So I'm great. Uh, this is my buddy, Peter Parshall Jensen. We went to acting school together at CalArts. We haven't caught up in more years than I like to admit. Time gets away from us sometimes. But Peter, <sighs> Peter's kind of responsible for changing my life. Do you remember in college, long, long time ago, sending me that Vanity Fair article? Right, yeah, yeah. I saw that article and I was like, oh yeah, this this guy reminds me a whole lot of Riva. <laughs> okay, so it's 2009 and Peter emails me a link to this article. I'm almost positive the subject line read, yo, Rivas, check this out. I open it up and boom. That's when it happens. Life altered. The title of the article is The Legend of Rubirosa. It's a Vanity Fair profile on a guy named Porfirio Rubirosa, a Dominican man. Everyone calls him Ruby for short. Oof, that sounds good, doesn't it? Ruby. The article starts with an excerpt of his obituary in the New York Times published after his death in Paris in 1965. It reads, Porfirio Rubirosa, former Dominican diplomat, international sportsman and playboy, died in an automobile accident. He was alone in the car. The wooden steering wheel of the type used in racing competition had crushed his chest. He died within sight of two of his favorite recreation spots, the Longchamps Racecourse and the Bagatelle Polo Club. This article was like a key to a door that I didn't even know existed. You sent it, and my life was changed. You know, like, you have single-handedly changed my life. Oh, that's good. I sat in front of my laptop, soaking up everything I could about this long-dead Dominican guy. The Vanity Fair profile describes the life of an internationally known figure. He spent the 1920s in Paris, the 1950s in Cuba. He's the Latin lover. He was married five times to some of the richest and most famous women in the world. He was also rumored to have had love affairs with women like Eartha Kitt, Ava Gardner, Jane Mansfield, and Eva Peron. And that's just the start of the list. The tabloids loved to talk about Ruby. A bunch of it was actually pretty racist. Like one article that asked, is the world's greatest lover a Negro? And there were also a lot of references to homeboy's 11-inch you know, his 11-inch, you know. One of his wives, the billionaire tobacco heiress Doris Duke, once told someone that Ruby's member was, and I quote, 
like the last foot of a Louisville slugger bat. Yeah, intense. Ruby Rosa was suave, sophisticated, stylish, dangerous, and as cool as they come. The Vanity Fair article said, when he was around, an unlit cigarette never touched a woman's lips. After I finished that article, I read it again, and then I read it again, and then again, and then I started Googling, and I found more articles written about him that helped round out the life he lived. I found a book, a couple of books, actually. It turns out that Porfirio Rubirosa was way more than just a playboy. He was a diplomat for the Dominican Republic, stationed all over the world, and he worked for General Rafael Trujillo. Trujillo was one of the bloodiest dictators in Latin American history, which we'll definitely come back to. Anyway, weeks went by, but I kept digging around for stuff about Ruby, and then one day, I came across something online that made the hair on the back of my neck start to tingle. Ruby Rosa, the article claimed, was the real James Bond. I'm sorry, what? Dominican Ruby... Ruby Rosa, Dominican. This guy, the real James Bond, is a Dominican man. Bullshit. Why didn't I know this? Why didn't my pops or anyone tell me this? Why didn't I know about Ruby? If the Vanity Fair article was like a key to a door, then this new revelation knocked down the whole damn house. I spent the next 10 years of my life thinking about and researching Ruby and his connection to Bond. I found myself telling this man's story to as many people as I could. I wrote a play about him. I got up on stages across the country trying to tell people why they too should care. And as I learned more about the story of Porfirio Rubirosa, I started to realize that I was also learning more about my own story. I started digging into my own Dominican roots and culture. I learned things I never knew, never wanted to know. I stopped cutting my curly hair. I even publicly declared in the New York Times, nonetheless, that I was going to stop dating white women. I started writing a book. It's been a long, intense, soul-searching journey. Which brings me here, with you, to this podcast. I'm Christopher Rivas, and this is Ruby Rosa. Episode 1, Haunted. Someone named Porfirio Rubirosa? No, I haven't. Porfirio, Porfirio. Rubirosa. Okay. Have you heard of him? Never heard of him. Turns out, I'm not the only one who didn't know about Rubirosa, though I do know how to pronounce his name. I hit the streets to ask some people about him. First stop, my backyard, Hollywood. What if I told you that James Bond is actually based on a Dominican man named Porfirio Rubirosa? Uh, it's not true. There's a lot of mythology about James Bond is really this and James Bond is really that. They say James Bond. They ain't never say Porfilio. <laughs> Would you believe that that British white guy could be based on a Dominican man? Absolutely. I think a lot of times Hollywood tries to make the hero um, Anglo. Next up. I went to a Dominican spot, a coffee shop in Brooklyn called Jenny's Number Two. 
I could understand if most people hadn't heard of Rui Rosa, but I mean, surely my brothers and sisters from the DR knew who he was, right? Sabe quién es Porfirio Rubirosa? No. No? Porfirio Rubirosa. No? I even went to this Italian joint in New York called Ristorante Rubirosa. It was literally named after Porfirio. They even have a couple of pictures of him up on the walls. They gotta know who he is. Do you know why this restaurant is named Ruby Rosa? I don't. Does anyone know? Yeah. <laughs> a waiter named Julio had a little bit of an idea. Ruby Rosa was a restaurant the founder used to love going to in Italy. Um, he finds out about the person, Ruby Rosa. Bunch of girls, bunch of parties, fast cars. Maybe there's something there. These people don't really have a clue about who Ruby is. I get it. I was them. But now, 10 years after learning about Ruby in my CalArts dorm room, I'm firmly on the other side. And one thing is clear. Once you've learned about who this guy is, he leaves an impression on you. Who doesn't know who Porfirio Ruby Rosa is? They don't make him like that anymore. You know, Ruby Rosa ran with the same circles as Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, Kennedy's. He was very cool. And the people at that time were not cool. He was a diplomat for Trujillo. He was attacked by Castro. There was a grenade thrown in his embassy. He was worthless except to the wealthy ladies who married him. No, Robert didn't treat me bad. Robert treated me beautifully. Robert. But he used to beat you around. Well, a little bit, but I deserved it. <laughs> he was already being called Playboy before the magazine Playboy came out. People were always trying to just, you know, be with him and get with him and chase him and find out what he's got and how do I get that. Even after all these years of obsession, research, and exploration, I still have work to do. I still have these big unknowns. I'm haunted. That's what I tell people. I'm haunted. Not in a creepy way, but in a uh, I have a mission way. That's what this podcast is. That's what we're doing here. My mission is to find some answers about Ruby's life and about my own. You said everyone falls in love with Ruby. Why? Well, he's a walking party. He's a typical Dominican guy. This is Isabella Wall. For what it's worth, Isabella is also a walking party. She showed up to our Zoom convo with warmth and energy that kept us chatting for an easy two hours. She knows a lot about Ruby Rosa. A lot. You know, he's the life of the party. In the jet setting, setting, life is good because, you know, he makes it look good. He makes it look good and he makes it feel good. And, you know, it's the Dominican Republic and it's paradise. And he's got the keys to paradise. Isabella and her husband wrote a book about Ruby, kind of the first book about him, in English at least. Isabella has been out here trying to tell Ruby Rosa's story to the world for decades. Her book, Chasing Ruby, is some of the first stuff I found after the Vanity Fair article. And honestly, it feels so good to finally be talking to a fellow Ruby obsessive. What do you want to do, Ruby? 
This is a question that I've been asking myself for 30 years. I ask a similar question. I, I often talk about being like, uh, I use the word haunted, but not in a scary movie kind of way. More in a, like I was visited and I'm supposed to do something with this story, but I don't know what it is. So you're, you feel like you've had the same experience? Absolutely. Isabella is Dominican, like me, but she actually grew up on the island. What are some of your favorite memories from growing up there? Oh, my goodness. Going to the beach. Mm. I mean, just uh, <clears throat> I choke up even. Growing up and getting in uh, in that warm water in Boca Chica, in Juan Dolio. When we were little, my dad used to take us almost every weekend on, uh, you know, day trips and to different parts of the island. And we got to grow up, you know, just watching the people in the country and riding burros and eating caña de azúcar and mangoes and all of that. Damn. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Isabella wasn't surprised that people here in the U.S. don't know who Ruby is. But back in the DR, Ruby Rosa is a known entity. Did you hear about Ruby growing up, or when was the first time you heard about him? So, when I was growing up, because I was a daddy's little girl, and my dad was a neighbor of Ruby Rosa in San Francisco de Macorís, where they were growing up, and Ruby... A neighbor, wow. Yeah, and so... In those days, the teenage boys used to go hang out at a certain park and they all gather there to smoke cigarettes, you know, and drink and stuff like that. And Ruby was young, too young to be hanging out with them. So um, my dad tells the story that uh, he had to give get him a cigarette because nobody would give him a cigarette. And that was something that I used to hear my dad say regarding just men in general, you know. I, I mean, he would say things like, Ah, no, ese se cree que es un rubirosa. Se cree que es un rubirosa. He thinks he's a rubirosa. This is something you'd say about a guy who was showing off. It's like Ruby was something young men wanted to be. Growing up, these stories about rubirosa, they didn't mean much to Isabella. They were just a part of the local folklore. Eventually, she left the island. She left her home and moved to the U.S. That's where she met her husband, Marty. Hey, Chris. Marty, how are you, my new friend? Back in 1980s, Marty worked for a big radio station in New York, Z100. Y'all, Z100 and Hot 97 were my two go-tos. Anyway, he actually hired Isabella to be in a commercial for the station for Latin audiences. They worked together, they fell in love. You know how the story goes. And one day, Isabella brought up this guy, Ruby. This guy her dad had grown up around. So Isabella was telling me about this character. I, I would say, well, Marty, you know, he was a polo champion and, you know, he 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 was a car racer for Ferrari and this and that. And he's like, no way. Nobody's ever heard about Dominican doing that. Why don't I know about it? You know, and my parents are from the 50s. I don't know. I don't know. I was really hip to all of the... 40s and 50s movies and the Zsa Zsa Gabors of the world. I mean, what the, how could I not have heard of this person and kind of challenged her? Marty likes to challenge me, right? And I like a challenge. 
He said, well, you know what you should do? You should go, you know, see what you find about if it's true. You find stuff at the library, at the New York Library. And she went and spent an entire day uh, at the New York Public Library doing research. And she came home with a copy of his obituary from the New York Times, which was a full page. Ah, the obituary. This is the same one they quoted in the Vanity Fair article. And I got to tell y'all, not everyone gets a full page obituary in the New York Times. That's a big deal. Like, these are the movers and shakers of their day. People like Clark Gable, Walt Disney, and Nat King Cole all got full page obituaries too. But we know those names. So how did Ruby get this kind of spread? The obituary says, Ruby grew up in a modest home. The son of a Dominican general, he spent his childhood in Paris, and then married the daughter of Trujillo, the DR's dictator. But the subheadings, they say things like suave diplomat and member of the jet set, because those are the things that came to define Ruby. He died as he lived, the author writes, moving fast. The obituary even quotes Ruby. The ambition of most men is to save money. Mine is to spend it. Marty Wall was impressed. And just immediately knew that this was a story that needed to be told in some media. At this point, Isabel and Marty set off on a quest to find out as much as they can about Ruby. They start acquiring old photographs. They take a trip to Paris, where Ruby spent a lot of time and where he died. And they call up people who are still alive, who might remember their days with Ruby Rosa. Marty and Isabella also moved from New York to Los Angeles, and since they're living right next to Hollywood, Isabella's dad convinces them that Ruby's ultra-glamorous life would make a pretty dope feature film. No, 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 you gotta, tiene que llevarte los libros, you gotta, you know, do all the research and be prepared, because you're gonna make a movie about that. There is a famous producer named Stuart Benjamin, who we had an opportunity to meet with. He produced La Bamba and uh, a couple other films. And when we met with him, he gave us some really, really good advice. He says, you're not going to get anywhere with this project unless you have a book that someone is willing to option the rights or you've written your own script. I didn't feel comfortable, nor did Isabella, about writing a script. And since there were no books in English, what we decided to do was write the first English language biography, which was published in 2005. Marty and Isabella's book. It brings to life so many things that the Vanity Fair article only touched on. They talk about Ruby's parents and his childhood, his early career in the military, his decades as a jet-setting playboy and international diplomat, his connections with important people and places throughout history, and the many speculations about him being a spy. Their book is called Chasing Ruby, The Truth About Porfirio Rubirosa, The Last Playboy. Can you tell me about the title? That's what I've been doing for 25 years, is chasing Rubirosa and trying to find out who he really was Look at at this conversation that we're having. You know, this is about that still. The other thing we realized is, you know, there were a lot of people chasing Ruberosa for his fame to be part of his entourage. But when you read the FBI file, you realize that our government was chasing Ruberosa. Yeah. Hear that? Abigail, play that back real quick. 
But when you read the FBI file, you realize that our government was chasing Rubirosa. FBI files. Turns out, Ruby was someone the U.S. government kept a very close eye on. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty James Bond to me. Was this the kind of guy who had more behind-the-scenes influence in world events than we could have even known? I knew of the Freedom of Information Act, so we've sent applications into the FBI and to the CIA. And then one year I get these two boxes that said, you know, with the seal of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And I couldn't even open it until Marty came home. I was like... What is that? I can't remember. Did I? Is this the IRS? What is what's going on? Oh, my God. So then we opened it and it was incredible. It was like, you know, all these pages about this guy. There he is. Porfirio Rubiroso, who has served as Dominican ambassador to various European countries and who occupied the position of ambassador to France is an agent of the Dominican Military Intelligence Service. It's unclear just how big Ruby's government files actually are, but we got a glimpse from about 100 pages the FBI released to us. This excerpt implies Ruby was a part of the Dominican CIA. It became clear to us that this was just, you know, not a well-endowed playboy, that this was somebody that had uh, amazing negotiating and diplomatic skills and had connections at the highest level with presidents and kings. And when you realize that people like the New York District Attorney and the FBI coming after him for deaths and assassinations, you know, my interest in telling a story or researching further became even, even more. The source has learned that Ruby Rosa performs important missions abroad and that his specialty is to influence people in influential positions in foreign governments in a manner favorable to the Trujillo regime. These FBI records point to mysteries on a grand scale. God, who was this man really? A spy? A supporter of a dictator. They bring to life a ruby who is much darker and much more complicated than that suave gentleman I met in a Vanity Fair article. A ruby, a lot like James Bond. And then there's this. I want to read you one more line from Ruby Rosa's obituary. Quote, When he lost his diplomatic immunity, the district attorney's office in Manhattan called him in for questioning in regard to the fate of two outspoken opponents of the Trujillo regime. He was also questioned about the disappearance in 1956 of Dr. Jesus de Galindez, a Columbia University lecturer. He disclaimed knowledge of either case. So, maybe this Latin ladies man was also a killer? Marty says that all this, all this complication, it just makes him more interested in who Ruby really was. Big dick, race car, cheated women, all this kind of stuff, those are all truths and all facts. But don't judge somebody solely on what you know about him until you've done your homework. Marty has done his homework. And even with the FBI docs and murder allegations, he sees a man worth studying. A man maybe even worth redeeming. I'm hoping that if I was speaking to Ruby right now, I would see that 
Um, he had the ability to be compassionate. He didn't show that he didn't. Um, he just was narcissistic and in it for himself. It didn't mean that he, he was always picking up the tab. He was always supporting friends. Um, so I, I think for me that I think he was a better man than history is showing. In a time when most Latin men were perceived as either dictators, drug smugglers, or Ricky Ricardo, here comes this everything man, Ruby Rosa, a brown-skinned Dominican man who navigated the waters of all social cultures and places, and who had a first-row seat to some of the most important moments of history. Damn, Ruby, who the hell are you? Really? In this long and winding journey, sometimes it feels like Ruby's life story is an invitation to me. Hey, Chris, here's a slice of the good life. You could have it too. But at other times, it feels more like a warning. About ego. Well, my first impressions of you was like, hey, que guapo. Like, what a, you know, he's like a, like, not just, not just being handsome, but like the ladies fawned over you. A warning about love. You sounded just like a confused man. There was just a little bit of a darker part of you. Like, I felt like you withheld a lot of emotion. Do you think that's still true of me? I do. A warning about identity. How come I never learned Spanish? You didn't find an interest in Spanish. Oftentimes, people do not want to challenge their own reality. I still find myself asking, Ruby, what can and should I learn from you? What do you have to teach me about moving in a world that isn't made for brown men like us? What I accept, what I fight for, what I ignore, what I desire? Most importantly, are you an invitation or a warning? Ruby, I'm listening. I'm ready. Stay tuned, y'all. There's a lot more to learn. And next time, we'll meet Ruby. Yeah, buddy. All right, y'all. I need to take a moment here at the end of our first episode. A week before we released this podcast, we at Ruby Rosa got some really sad news. Isabella Wall, who you heard earlier and who you will hear from a lot throughout this series died suddenly. Isabella's voice, her knowledge of Ruby's life, her book, Chasing Ruby, her joyful energy, her huge, important part of this series. Our thoughts are with her husband, Marty, and their family. Isabella, thank you so much. We are dedicating this show to you. Thank you. Rosa is a production of Witness Docs from Stitcher. It's created by me, Christopher Rivas, and I'm also an executive producer. That's right, Ma, I did that. Abigail Keel is our senior producer. Kevin Tidmarsh is our producer. Our story editor is John Delore. Our technical director is Casey Holford. Camille Stanley is the executive producer of Witness Docs. Readings of Ruby's memoir are performed by Victor Almanzar. 
Workhouse Media Inc. is also a contributing producer to this podcast, as are executive producers Amelia Baker, Mackenzie Monroe, and Ari Anderson. Thanks, y'all. Original music for this podcast is composed and performed by Wilson Torres, Yeson Villamar, and Marcos Varela. Our theme song is composed by Allison Layton Brown. We want to hear from you. Send your questions, thoughts, and stories to rubirosa at stitcher.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, tell a friend about it. Subscribe, shout it from the rooftops, write a review, do all that stuff to help get the word out. We really appreciate it. Peace, y'all. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because <laughs> the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.